Here we go. Thanks for finding us. Another edition of WTOP Huddle with Dave Preston, Rob Woodford, Chris Chion. Wow, what a backdrop with the, 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 the nation's capital behind, or uh, the Washington Monument. Pardon me, I should learn more about Washington, D.C. landmarks and George <laughs> Wallace without the nation's capital behind him. A lot to talk about this week. We're nationals, pitchers and catchers reporting. Yes, we do have baseball to talk about. We'll begin with the return of John Wall to, to D.C., and it was under unusual circumstances. And in fact, I think Bradley Beal said it best when he asked, uh, was it going to be emotional? And he said, well, kind of yes and no, because – John Wall, his first game with the Rockets, his new team, back in D.C. earlier this week at Capital One Arena, there were no fans. And every NBA team is doing this because they're providing a second screen opportunity for the fans on their computer. So they're doing all the in-arena features. And that included, on Monday night, a John Wall tribute uh, video. Uh, but it was hard – well, not hard. It was impossible to gauge any emotion because there were no fans there. So – it, it, like a lot of things, uh, it's, it's a bit surreal this time, and, and he did give a, a salute, but uh, I think there'll be a proper celebration for when John Wall comes back again with the Houston Rockets, when fans are back, because make no mistake, John Wall did everything on and off the court, and I think emphasis also off the court. I think about interviewing him uh, for his 202 assist program for rent assistance this summer. Uh, he won the, the NBA six man award is, is the community service a few years ago. I was uh, so happy to MC that. And he received that a league wide award for his community uh, service. It's a, it's a complicated situation because let's face it in this stretch of time, John Wall accomplished so much with the wizards led them to a new level, but also, and I've hosted the post game shows when people were saying, all right, uh, you got to break them up, John Wall and Bradley Beal. That's not going to coexist. Uh, they have plateaued that Eastern Conference quarterfinal when they're almost into the uh, the or Eastern Conference semifinal when they almost made the finals in, in 2017. So no question, you appreciate John Wall's time here in Washington and should. Uh, it just – it's sad because of the injuries that, that really did not get all the potential fulfilled uh, over the last couple of years. He seems healthy to me watching him against the Wizards on Monday night. Would you rather have a healthy John Wall right now in a Wizards uniform? That's a question, and that'll continue to be talked about. But it is a, a complicated situation, I'll say this, because, again, I heard from so many people saying that, well, we've seen all we can see out of the John Wall-Bradley Beal relationship. It's time to move on. And, of course, now that they did move on, uh, there's also the argument, no, no, wait a minute. We wanted to see John and Bradley back together. George, I'll begin with you. Pick up the conversation is John Wall. It was strange to see him in a uniform, but he looks good. And that, that's good to see because he's good for the NBA. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think it would have been – I'm curious to see when their fans will be allowed back in the arena because he'll get his due. He'll get his, his – you know, maybe not show the tribute video again, but he'll get his nice ovation uh, for coming back to town. I – you know, you, I'd love to hear, to, to know what Tommy Shepard, Ted Leontes, what's going through their mind now that he is healthy and playing. I know he's missed some games with the Rockets, but, you know, you, you're always always going to have that what, what if. And, and I get that they had their chances, but he had been out two years and he was rehabbing and getting himself better. If he had returned like he is now, what this backcourt, what this team could have been like. Uh, you know, with with Wall and Beal in the backcourt. Look, Russell Westbrook seems to be healthy. He said he was healthy, played in the back-to-back -back for the first time, which I think is encouraging news. We touched on that last week. Asked Dave if it was, you know, if it was going to happen. You said yes. And, uh, you know, I, I think that 
you can see the possibilities with this team still, but I, I think that always, you know, after the injury is going to be what the, what if uh, we what we would have seen with these two back healthy again, Chris. So I would just say that as far as John goes, it was a fresh start for both parties. And now Russell Westbrook playing back to backs now um, eight and 17 record. This is starting to at least look like it's going in the right direction, what we were hoping for here in Washington. I mean, this is still a poor record, a team that went on a big-time losing streak. But um, I'm happy to see, John, you know, you have the mayor tweeting last night that she's rooting for the Wizards, but John did so much for the community in Ward 8 there. So I'm happy for both sides, and I really think now with this little bit of momentum that Washington is on, uh, we have the moment, the, the potential – to at least sneak in as that seventh, eighth seed in the playoffs, right? It's not over. We, we were feeling a little bit of despair there, but a win against the Celtics is big, and then a win against the Rockets also a huge feat. So I just really think that the playoffs should still be in conversation, even if it felt grim there for a while. Yeah, because we've established the only two teams winning in the NBA are the Utah Jazz and LA Lakers. Everyone else has a shot at the playoffs with 17 wins. Dave Preston, jump in there. Well, I think when you look at John Wall and his time here, uh, I think I, somebody made the, the remark yesterday, don't be upset that it's over, be happy that it happened. And uh, for a decade, he was the face of this Wizards franchise in bad times and good, and then in bad times again. And it will always have that last second shot again to beat the Celtics and to force a seventh game. Things did not reach the heights where we thought that they should have as they have in other uh, Wizards eras. You think of the Gilbert Arenas uh, team that I think uh, had the best record in the Eastern Conference around the All-Star break and things flatlined there. But uh, a, a guy who, as we mentioned, was not just a great player on the court, but a great person and, and a great citizen in the community. And for uh, unfortunately, it was best for both uh, parties to part. And Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, they're the new future, if, if you will, of this Wizards team. And if I'm correct, uh, they're, the NBA is doing that play-in thing with the, with the 7, 8, 9, and 10. Wizards are only two games out of 10th place in the Eastern Conference. So there are still relevant games as we near the midpoint of this season because with the 72-game schedule, you hope they make them up again. Uh, is this a perfect world for the Wizards? No, but with two straight wins, with Westbrook playing back-to-back, with Mo Wagner playing better uh, after some early hiccups to his season, you see some possibilities and you have to be happy about that. All right, Rob, bring us home on the John Wall topic before we play ball, baseball. I, I think last night was a reminder of what Washington has lost over the course of the last couple of years. Um, uh, I think you'll be able to relate to this, Dave. I mean, the, the voice of the team, Steve Buckhans, was one of the most beloved figures around this team. He's no longer calling the games on TV. John Wall is one of the most, he's a favorite son. I mean, we probably love him more than uh, Kevin Durant, who actually did grow up in this area. John Wall, we've embraced as like this favorite son here, as if he did grow up here. And so these are two uh, figures just off the top of my head, figures that this, that, you know, tied to this franchise that are no longer a part of it. And it's just a reminder of, um, of just what this, you know, what fans of this team have lost. Washington, let's be real. They're never in the championship conversation. The last time they won a championship, I wasn't even born yet and I'm not young. So, <laughs> you know, so it's like 
if if you're not going to be in the title conversation, then you have to be, um, you know, for lack of a better word, likable. You have to. There has to be something else that 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 uh, uh, you know gravitates, uh, you know, sort of draws fans in, and they're they're starting to lose that. In addition to, um, you know, they're they're just starting to lose that. So I think last night was really a reminder of that uh, because, you know, John Wall is a guy that you can rally around and you, who you can root for, you know, so long as his interests don't conflict with yours in the, you know, in the case of what the uh, uh, case of what the mayor said in, in the tweet. But, um, you know, I, I would love to, to see uh, some more, uh, some better play out of Russell Westbrook. I, I feel like that would help sort of mitigate some of that, uh, some of those feelings. Because, uh, you know, really so far, it looks like Houston has won this trade. Not only did they get uh, a player who's playing the better basketball right now, but they also got a first round pick on top of that. So, you know, Westbrook, and I know he wasn't all the way healthy at the beginning of the year. And I know he's putting up triple doubles, but, you know, the turnovers have got to have got to come down. He's got to shoot the ball better. And, um, you know, because quite frankly, they could have been in the conversation of being 10th place in the conference and playing in for the eighth seed and all of that with John Wall. Well, the way where you're seeing him now, I think it was a big unknown how he was going to come back. I do think that right, was a real right. thing. The question, there's no question sure. Russell Westbrook's not fully healthy and he still needs, if you, if you judge the, the trade 17, 25 games in, whatever it is, uh, yeah, it's a, no question. It's advantage Houston because John right, Wall is playing right. better. It's a long-term thing, and it's more consistently, thing. and more consistently, he, he's playing. But you, again, especially with all the, the circumstances of the season, it, it can't be judged in in the, the increment that we have. And it's with all trades, it, it's a it's a long-term judgment. And as I said, it, it's a complicated thing because the reality is, with John Wall, the Wizards were not in the championship conversation, so they were looking to go in a different direction. They made a tough decision to do that. And, and believe me, I feel that the calls in the post game show, it, it's funny how you always missed when you're gone. And that's, that's right. what I've discovered in this process, because I feel the calls in the post game show people saying, you know, this, this is not really going to work out with the two of them. And now of course, everyone wants the two of them back. And, it, and the bottom line is they were a great pairing uh, and but brought great success to this uh, franchise, but not that ultimate su success that everyone's uh, looking for. And that continues to be, a big challenge for this Washington team. So it is complicated, but John Wall is, when he's healthy, an elite talent worthy of the number one overall selection he was back in 2010. And, and again, I witnessed it Monday night firsthand. That's that's the John Wall we know, and, and that, that uh, we know that he can take a team far like that. Having said that, he's got challenges with the Houston Rockets right now. They got all kinds of injuries. It's a crazy season. They got a six-game losing streak. Right, and that's the thing. It's like they were missing a lot of guys last night. I think five key players right. were missing for well, the Rockets and, last and, night. And guess what? Nobody feels sorry for them because the Wizards at well, one right. point were missing six guys. Right. And, and this is how uh, and it's turned out to be and a also, positive, but given, this, is, this is how you end up with Garrison Matthews and Mo Wagner in the starting lineup well, is right. through so many combinations and, and so many injuries and so many COVID-19 restrictions. That's why every team that is dealing with this ends up, or injuries or otherwise, ends up with 13, 15 losses, whatever they have. Also, I'm not giving Russell Westbrook credit for playing the second game of a back-to-back -back until that second game isn't against the team that just traded him. <laughs> well, no, I, I, the, the reality had some is some other motivation to play that. No, back no, the, the motivation. It was a one o'clock start Sunday, and it was a night game, uh, and they no. they didn't have to play him as much in 
on, on Sunday. The bottom line is he's not fully back. So we don't know when his next one. But as I said last week, not thinking about the Rockets game, that the possibility of him playing back-to-backs was the plan eventually. It was not going to continue out the entire season. Somebody said play ball. We got the Nationals. Dave Preston, if you got your bags packed, you're going to Florida later this month. I'm getting there. What, I mean, it, this team, it's a, it's a starting rotation is a big question of what's, what's on your mind. Or, or we need the health of a Steven Strasburg in that starting rotation for this team to be successful. Well, I think there are a lot of questions surrounding this team as you get to spring training, Dave. First, you talk about Steven Strasburg. He's one of the keys to this rotation because last season, I think that as a staff, they finished 25th in the majors in team ERA. A lot of it, I think, was caused because of the ramping up for the season, then stopping then ramping up again. Max Scherzer was not the max that we've gotten to know over the last few years. Patrick Corbin had a nasty season. They never found out who that fit starter was going to be. Eric Fetty really didn't work out in that spot. Austin Both was never consistent. Joe Ross wound up opting out. So a couple things I'm going to be looking for. One, uh, how does the rotation fit together this year? John Lester looks like a solid fourth piece to that rotation like Anibal Sanchez was when he was at his best with this team. Will he be a good fit? If he is, then you've got a rotation that will be in the top 10, maybe top five in the majors. Third base and uh, what happens uh, in the outfield? Uh, 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 Carter Keeboom was supposed to be the guy last year at third. Never happened for him. He wound up getting sent. He wound up, uh, they wound up sending him down to Fredericksburg. They didn't even have a minor leagues to kind of, you know, work with them there. So also uh, Victor Robles, uh, kind of regressed in center field. Uh, you don't expect those guys to have all-star seasons, but they have to have replacement level seasons. And neither did last season. Uh, you also wonder what sort of drop-off Juan Soto will have this year and Trey Turner. They both had fantastic 2020s. Usually guys regress to the mean. So it'll be intriguing to see how they, if they regress or if they stay where they were. Also uh, additions like Schwarber and Bell. So, Plenty of questions to fill up a sentence this year. On the flip side, I'm excited to see what the next level for Juan Soto is. This, yeah. to me, he's just, he's amazing. It reminds me of, of people last year with Bradley Beal saying, well, he can't get to another level. Now he's a leading scorer in the NBA. So <laughs> it's going to be exciting to see what is the next level for Juan Soto. George? Yeah, uh, and because, keep in mind, too, remember he had to, uh, he sat out the beginning of the year last year due to the false positive or whatever was going on with that uh, COVID situation. So he could have even been a, a higher in that conversation for MVP, I think, last year. I think he still has a lot to prove. He's just scratching the surface. I'm with you. I can't wait to see which direction or, or how much higher he's going to go because not much wear and tear on anybody really last year. I think the pitching is going to be different. You heard Max at the end of the year say, uh, you know, this was more – he felt more like he was in the middle of the summer just getting ramped up and he wanted to keep pitching after the season was over instead of shutting it down and getting ready for spring training, Davey had to convince him to do that. Uh, Strasburg, you hope, comes back. And look, the John Lester, I think, I think is going to be key for me because he doesn't have to be John Lester. He's got to be a fourth starter, right? He doesn't have to be the ace uh, that he's been in the past. There should be no pressure. There's not a, it's a very friendly deal. Uh, so, again, the pitching staff is going to be very key on this team. You talk about jo uh, Joe Ross, Dave mentioned, opting out last year. What's his situation going to be in, uh, competing for that fifth spot? Uh, I, I like the addition of Bell. And don't forget the baby shark back on that minor league deal. You know he's going to be back in the ballpark, folks. 
Well, I was just going to say the one thing this team I'll take the player, <laughs> you can keep the song. Well, but we need something like that, I think, because one thing I'll say, you then bring back it, take on me. I'm with that. Stop <laughs> the baby was, shark stuff. The best Norwegian rock band ever. Aha. Uh -huh. That was a uh, Norway did yep. not produce a lot of rock Thank stars. You, you know, Thank Sweden you. gets all the credit with Ava, but um, underrated Bond theme. The what's that? They did. They did the theme song to the Living Daylights, underrated Bond song. Oh wow! For those there we go. Seven there we fans go. We should make go. that our now, WTLP. You got, now you got Preston started. Yeah, your WTLP. weekly your your weekly update from Dave Preston. <laughs> WTLP huddle. We'll make that a trivia question. We should give away T-shirts or something at the end. But I, I think uh, you hope for more consistency because keep in mind, 2019, it took somehow a galvanized locker room when everyone wanted to, you know, fire the manager and the season was going nowhere to the locker room gets galvanized, we get a Baby Shark song, and the next thing you know, we have a World Series title. Uh, that's not going to be the scenario again, and I think this team's going to have to have a more consistent season because the National League East is going to be very good. Uh, Rob, you're, you're and, and real quick, yeah. real quick, Dave, keep in mind, too, you know, Adam Eaton's gone, Michael A. Taylor's gone, yeah, Sean Doolittle's gone. I know some pieces went last year, but, you know, a big part of that 2019 team is now moving on, and you just and that's Mike Rizzo's job. He's very good at it. You yep. plug and, and fill these kind of these holes, and we'll see how he's done uh, this offseason. And and don't forget Ryan Zimmerman back also to back up Bell at first. No, there's a reason to believe it. Just I'm just saying that yeah. don't count on getting 20 games below 500 and make it a, make it a run. Rob, right. Rob, your thoughts on no, that? No, that's what uh, you know. You mentioned Ryan Zimmerman. That's uh, that to me is a big question right there. Is how's he going to fit into this puzzle? Because uh, I was actually uh, listening in on his uh, press conference when he uh, officially resigned. And it sounds like he's really embracing and somewhat looking forward to being a part-time player. He's embracing the role of not having to prepare every day. And uh, it's, you know, because the, the question was raised, well, what, you know, what if there's a DH, you know, would you be uh, good with being a, you know, being a DH and not having to play the field every day? And, uh, and it sounded like he really would prefer to be a part-time player at this point in his mm -hmm. career. So uh, with that said, you know, how does that, how does that fit into this uh, hopefully championship caliber puzzle where, you know, they, they, you know, they've got an answer that they just addressed, uh, you know, at first base and, you know, how's, how's Zim going to fit in? Is this a ceremonial resigning because he is Mr. National or is he, you know, going to have a role that's that's going to be uh, really the difference between whether or not uh, they're a team that is kind of in the wild card hunts in, you know, toward the end of the year, or can actually make a run uh, come title time. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. And that's the other thing is just how competitive this division is. Top to bottom, it's the best division in yep. baseball. So you could have, you know, you're not going to be able to beat up on the Marlins. You're not going to be able to beat up on, you know, uh, underachieving Phillies team like you did in the run up to the World Series uh, two years ago. This year, like you, there, there's there's no days off. There's no gimmies. And they're going to have to be really top to bottom good on a more consistent basis. And that's been sort of the problem that we've had with them is they'll have these sort of long lulls in the season that, um, you know, that kind of hurts them in the end. It didn't hurt them in the end in 2019, but you know, that that's the exception and not the rule. No. And that's what I'm saying. I, I, we want what happened in 2019 to get in the world series part, not the slow start yeah. part, because I don't right. think it's going to be as another baseball phrase, deja vu all over again, Chris. 
A couple thoughts here. Uh, first and foremost, all the guys and the names that you guys are mentioning, John Lester and Joe Ross. And uh, I mean, who's excited about that? I mean, Josh Bell is the only really key addition, I think, that's going to help this team offensively. But I mean, at this point, what are you getting out of Lester? I think he's closer to an ERA of six at this point. You're going to get some nice outings out of him, but I wouldn't have the expectations like we had coming into last year when we had Anibal Sanchez coming off a pretty nice 2019. Um, I just think Lester's days are kind of behind him. And Max Scherzer is only getting older. This isn't the Clemens steroid era, 40 years old, pumping 100 miles an hour heat anymore. I just wonder when he loses a mile an hour or two off that fastball, is he go? I mean, we already see he gives up the home runs at a pretty frequent rate. Is that going to becoming more of a norm? Um, I, I obviously love the core of this team, though. That all being said, I think baseball players, not all of them, but I think in general, 27, 28 is kind of when they peak. And Trey Turner is in that right now. And Juan Soto is, is only getting there. So I don't expect any regression there. But you guys have all said it. I don't. It bears repeating, though. The division, even the Marlins were playing baseball, playoff baseball last year. Every single one of these teams. Philadelphia was not a playoff team. But would you say that they're terrible? No. I mean, they've got Bryce. They got Real Muto back. They have a top line starter there. So I would say that you know this team didn't do enough to really upgrade in the offseason for me to feel really optimistic. But they're still obviously in play. Your sobriety test brought to you by Christian, but a lot of reality in that uh, in that sobriety test. He mentioned an ERA close to six. That was what the, the Nats starting rotation last year was over five. That has to be better if they're going to have a well, – well, if you have an ERA of a starting rotation over five, this will be a short conversation this season. Yeah. That can't repeat itself. All right, final moments here. Uh, we'll go around the table with final thoughts on things. Christian had me sold on UVA, and then they lost to Florida State. But, uh, you know, I think we take from that – Welcome to, to 2021, but every team and every sport that is playing through, you're not going to find consistency. Chris, do you still believe in UVA or what's on your mind? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Florida State was a tough matchup for them. They fell behind in the first half and just never really caught up. But the way Sam Hauser and Jay Huff consistently shoot the basketball, North Carolina in the past Saturday was never in the game. Um, I, I think that they have guys like Kihei Clark and they've even got guys like Beekman, who's a freshman who he commented after the game. And he said, you know, I used to be the man in high school. And then I got to Virginia and you realize that we play team basketball. And that stuck out to me because they really are a cohesive unit. I think that Monday night was just an off night. I still think this is one of the top five teams in the country and will be, um, I, I believe a final four team when, March Madness comes about. And we'll go to uh, Charlottesville Orange, which Dave is sporting today. Your thoughts. Uh, what, what's on your mind? College basketball or something else? Yeah, on my mind, college hoops. I, I second what Chris was saying. I, I vote in the AP Top 25, uh, and I actually had Virginia's fifth uh, this week. I think that they, they are a Top 10 team. I think their loss at Florida State was uh, akin to Michigan, who's a Top 5 team. They lost at Minnesota. Minnesota's a much worse team than Florida State is. Uh, Talking about the Big Ten, though, Maryland has the bird in their hands, so to speak. They have, I think, six games remaining, play Nebraska twice, play a couple of other bottom feeders in the Big Ten. They're in position to make a run to make the NCAA tournament as an at-large team. They need to win four or five games. If they lose once or twice to Nebraska, that's really going to hurt their cause uh, this March. Lastly, VCU takes on Richmond. I pumped that uh, matchup a few weeks ago. That game was postponed due to COVID concerns. 
They play this Wednesday. It's probably, in my opinion, for your money, the best local rivalry. Rob? Uh, first of all, I got to give uh, props to Dave for the uh, great humble brag right there. Like, oh, I, that was nice. You know, I, I vote in the AP Top 25, and it just so happens. No, that was great. I like that. Um, no, I mean, for me, man, look, uh, until this quarterback carousel slows down and everybody's got a seat at the table, uh, that's what I'm looking at. I mean, th this thing is incredible. I mean, we could see some of the biggest names in the sport changing addresses here. And I'm here for it. I'm here for player empowerment. I'm here for the NFL starting to look more like the NBA. I'm all about that because the quarterbacks are the CEOs of those of, of the offenses and in a lot of ways, the team. And so for uh, a guy like a Deshaun Watson to have the kind of say and the kind of sway that a guy like LeBron James has now, he doesn't have the rings yet, but Watson is every bit the transcendent talent. So I, I'm, I, I would love to see Russell Wilson be able to make some more calls in, in Seattle or try to get his way out of Seattle if they don't give him what he's looking for. So I'm, I'm here for the player empowerment, and I can't wait to see how it all plays out. And we're running out of time, but we certainly celebrated a lot on Friday and then again on Monday. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say something about Brenda Freeze. Again, uh, 500 wins at College Park. She's delivered a national title. The consistency in class in which she has run that uh, Maryland program uh, is simply something to, to look up to. It, 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 she has set the bar. She passed the Hall of Famer and Chris Weller, who really was one of the pioneers in, in women's uh, college basketball. And, and I always think uh, about driving on New York Avenue and seeing a billboard when, when Brenda Freeze was just hired about, you know, catch the Brenda Freeze new coach and et cetera. And this is 2002. And at the time I was doing ACC women's basketball, I'm thinking, well, good luck just competing in the ACC because you had so many good teams. The North Carolina's Duke with Gail Guest, of course, Sylvia Hatchell had North Carolina's program going, Deb Ryan down there at, at Virginia. Well, not only did she compete in the ACC, she won it all in 2006 and has been a contender each and every year. And yeah, we can count the victories, but we, we can't count the lives. She's impacted. And speaking of women's sports, maybe next week we're going to be talking about a Serena Williams Australian Open title. She that, That'll be something to uh, talk about. I'll have whatever she's having at 38 years old. She's still getting it done. But we are done. We're out of time. Otherwise, they're going to charge us. They're going to charge us. We don't have a big enough budget. But we have the big budget guys here, Dave Preston, Rob Woodford, Christian, and George Wallace. I'm Dave Johnson. Thanks for watching the WTLP Huddle. Break. Break. <laughs>